All right, Juju B. I'm not nervous. I'll read a bitch. I will read you to feel. Miss Tyra, was your barbecue canceled? Your grill is <laughs> And Miss Tatiana? Miss Honey, you think you're so soft? Not by the hairs of your chinny chin. Oh. <laughs> Let me tell you something, puerca. You won't understand this anyways. Get my gist. Do you understand? Pandora. Can we talk about sun tanning? And you, legendary you think you are. Legendary looks like leg and dairy. Oh! <laughs> the library is closed. Oh. I think this clip of the week is just a friendly reminder that um, the reading challenge started in season two and it quite possibly peaked in season two. <laughs> yeah. Before the shade rattle even existed, there was Jujube. <laughs> yeah. You know, that reading challenge in general was really strong. Pandora Box goes on right after her and is equally as strong. I think Tatiana yeah. was the one who's like, no, I, I don't know how to do this, you know? Right. Uh, and, and, and that was it uh, to a fault. You know, I think RuPaul faulted her for that because, um, you know, you have to. This is an art. It's 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 part of it. It's part of uh, uh, drag culture. It's part of queer culture uh, to be able to throw some, you know, shade in a in an artful way that's shedding light, but also with love, right? Yeah, and I think it's like it's such a a, a nuanced way of of communicating, and like we've talked about it before that like reading and throwing shade. Like I think at least my the way I kind of see it and the way I kind of appreciate it is um, you're basically taking like your own experience from high school or your childhood or whatever, and you're turning it into this art that you not only are defended from, but a master of, you know what I mean? Mm. And so uh, like you, you're defended from the art. You're defended from the, the harm, like from the bullying, basically. If you can oh, turn, the, yes. if you can see this as an art and you can understand it as an art form and then, then you're, then you're smarter than your opponent. Like I think so much about what came out of like voguing and reading and all of that was just, it was just an artful form of fighting. It was an artful form of, of navigating those feelings and that aggression and that, um, I don't know, and and the pain points of people's lives without actually, like, killing each other. Right, yeah. I mean, what I also like about reading is that you're able to communicate someone's flaws to them in a space that is like, okay, it's okay to call it out in a joking way, right? It's not just this mean, hateful thing that I'm saying to you. It's like, hey, your teeth are jacked up. You know that. I know that. I'm going to make a joke about it, you know? Right. Yeah, and I also think the other element of that is like, I think to to really read someone means that I'm paying attention to you, and I know you, and I see you, and I think that yes. that part is really important that you're seen and like someone is registering the details of you. You're not invisible here, and so like yeah. this is another way of kind of expressing that. I think. Yeah, and with this clip of the week, I it I thought of doing it uh, when. Uh, one of one of our listeners reached out to me on Instagram and was like, yo, what was up with that reading challenge? And I was like, you know, I I think that since season two, 
season two is when it started. It's kind of, I mean, obviously there's some great reads in there. Season six is filled with some really great reads. Jocelyn Fox has Jocelyn that, Fox, uh, <laughs> yeah. Kind of girl who sits reverse cowgirl on the toilet yes. seat, so she's got a clean surface, surface to eat off of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and Latrice Royale, obviously. And I just think that the reason they've kind of gone downhill since season two is that the queens, for the most part, are getting younger. Okay, that's just like a fact. And the art of reading is kind of becoming this lost art form because nobody's really doing it or teaching it um, or practicing it. Um, all the way. I mean, I think we're we're seeing a lot of Twitter, right, where you throw shade or you just like put up a meme and create a meme um, or mm-hmm. a GIF that's you know a read, but it's not using words, right? It's using other references. It's using uh, pop culture to spin on its head and and relate to something else to be funny. Um, and it's not using words anymore. And it's not using intonation, which I think is a huge part of reading. Um, well, I think, it's, so, I think it's kind of a like, it's an evolution of it, <clears throat> you know, because I think in some ways, some of like what meme culture and like what's been produced out of that, like some of it is a combination of visuals and words. And, you know, Twitter is really great for that as, as having that, that kind of like verbal setup with the visual punchline. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I think what's what's evolving and what we're seeing evolve over time is there are there are new ways to express intonation and there's new ways to express tone that we're only starting to like learn and it's like these younger generations who are developing the language of sure. um, there's Wait, like, they developed the language yeah we developed Sorry. the language um, <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be delightful uh, yeah <laughs> citrus um, like for example there. Could you imagine? Sorry. <laughs> yeah. There, there's one thing I, I see a lot on the internet now, and I think I understand what it is, but when somebody – this happens on Reddit a lot, but it's like you write the sentence out. It's as if you're you're quoting somebody, but you kind of do an alternation of capital letters, lowercase letters, capital letters, lowercase letters. And I think what it does is it kind of creates this derpy tone of like, oh, I didn't know that, like that kind of tone. <laughs> but like uh-huh. I can see the logic of how that's creating that tone. And so I think I agree with your, what you're saying. And the yes and of that is that naturally this stuff's going to evolve in like wherever people are gathering. But I think people are figuring out how to do this online. And it's it's different, but I, I really admire meme culture and the nuances that have started to develop in tone and inflection by oh, using it, these visual cues, you know? Yeah, and, you know, I don't mean to be the old man on the lawn, you know, barking at the kids. Like, I'm not – that's not necessarily what I'm saying because obviously, like, memes and GIFs and all that, like, I love it. And it is developing, and there are people that are – brilliant at it. I think Lee Dawson does it really well in his videos, uh, so subtly. But um, I... I guess I guess all it is to say is, you know, you were trying to find a reason of why this reading challenge is usually miss rather than hit uh, is, is because just the culture and how we use language is changing. And what I think the reading challenge would be interesting if they spun it on its head and changed it up next season would be like... We're gonna we're gonna you know uh, respond to trolls, right? Yes. And it's gonna be how to respond to trolls in a, you know an artful reading, funny way to kind of so, spin it on its head. Wow presents. There's been some videos that are kind of what you're talking about, where it's like you know RuPaul's Drag Race girls reading mean comments on Twitter and yeah, then kind of like yeah. reaction responding. And so I think that that's like I, I think it's a good idea. I also think 
how fucking relevant, you know, to change the challenge right. to be something like that. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I just think it'd be really interesting. But I also think there's that message of like, do we want to, do we want to kind of like make space for the trolls, you know, by having a challenge that's about responding to them, you know, that's the other side of it. I, I, I yeah. Yeah, but I, they're inevitable, I I, right? I have to think that yeah. I have to think about a response. I can't respond so quickly to that because I, I hear that for sure, and it's like, I don't know what a perfect challenge for a drag race girl, right? I agree. I I don't think one or the other is the right answer. I just think yeah, I think those are the two different perspectives, or at least two of you know. Uh, you know, if we're gonna speak about season eleven queens, somebody who I think is handling trolls really, really well is Raja O'Hara. Uh, just literally taking it and then spinning it to be about love and compassion um, yeah. in so many in so many ways uh there's other queens that do that as well but just relevantly raja i think does it so well plastique is so funny uh with a lot of her posts because she's constantly like um referencing like her that she's a pathological liar <laughs> oh yeah right like being self-aware like there's there's different ways that's an interesting sort of analysis of the different ways Obviously, this goes beyond just Drag Race, but just, you know, to be specific about it, like the different ways Drag Race girls have to respond to trolls. And I think there is the, the spread love approach. There is kind of like get to the joke before they do approach. There's the clap mm -hmm. back approach. Like there's lots of different ways to deal with it. And I think it's kind of dictated by how you're seen on the show like there there was nothing for Raja to be like self-aware and funny about you know this is this is the smartest route to take you know sure yeah I hear that completely um I mean I do have some more thoughts on the reading challenge but maybe before we go into that we can tell our Marys what they're listening to I think that we could do that they are of course listening to another episode of all right Mary all right, Mary. All right, Mary, which is, of course, our podcast dedicated to all things Drag Race, the world of Drag Race, and the paradigm that RuPaul has created with this little beady beady TV show. I'm Johnny, and I'm a level four vegan. Uh, I'm Colin, and I'm a body part, and I should be seen, and I don't remember the full quote, because I only watched the episode <laughs> twice, because I don't really want to watch this episode ever again. And <laughs> Guilty as charged. Yeah, exactly. You know, lock me up, throw away the key, um, put me in the men's prison, don't throw me in the shoe, you know? Um, all those things. And anyway, all that's to say is that we are continuing our recap of season 11 with LADP, which... Uh, yes, I, I have to say just like right up right off the bat, you know, my name is Paula and I keep myself hidden away. I, um, I there are parts of this episode I would watch again, you know, Akira certainly, but I will oh, yeah. ne I will never watch the Vanji and Plastique segment ever again. Oh <laughs> Well, you know, I, I call this episode L A D P U. Uh, ah, uh, <laughs> wow. Oh, <laughs> uh, I also called it LADP like sleeping. Uh, oh, sorry, you I, I think you it? did you I think you cut out. What did you say? <laughs> say that again. <laughs> I said LADP LADP <laughs> like Z LADP <laughs> My god, Mary. I'm over it. <laughs> The joke is the joke is that like it's like sleeping like it was boring so I I, I added on oh, Z. Oh, L A sleepy. <laughs> no, L A D P Z. 
Oh, well, I think Ellie Sleepy is kind of funny. <laughs> so maybe we could Good. land it's, on that it's, one. Yeah, it's it's much funnier than my first one. The other one, the other <laughs> The other one I had was L.A.D.P. on me and L.A. Deeper, Deeper. I can get into that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. L.A.D.P.'d. Yeah. Um, I, <laughs> any of those would have been, you know, I, I don't want to be fully negative on this because there's definitely some, some truffles in the dirt here. But yeah, we'll find them. We'll find them. We're yeah, pigs, there definitely you know? are. But uh, yeah, we're pigs. Exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's uh, every time DP I go to Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, 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 DP pigs. Yeah, LAD yeah. pigs. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so anyway, let's uh, let's go back to this reading challenge. Reading is fundamental, Mary. Um, yeah. So so we we kind of talked about you know our problems with with just reading challenges in general uh, as they've progressed. But what were some of the highlights for you? Um. What were so? Did you I, like that the queens were kind of clapping back? I think that that was maybe that's really the only highlight, and I don't know if it's necessarily a highlight, but I think it's an interesting transition. I think I read the AV Club review of this, and they said the same thing that like the the challenge has kind of evolved, the shows evolved that now like the queens clapping back is almost funnier or more entertaining than the actual read. And it kind of suggests like, oh, this does need to change. Like the trying to force the original format or the original structure that we saw like in season two just is not happening in season 11. Um, right. And I, yeah, there's something, there's something about, I think the kind of like interactiveness of it that obviously that's happened in other seasons, but it felt much more so this season that, I don't think it suggests that I want to see it be the same way next year. I think it suggests that it's time to retire this challenge. Yeah, maybe not retire it, but figure out some way to make it more successful because obviously these the queens are either unprepared or, you know, uh, don't know how to do it. Uh, and, I mean, Vanjie's a perfect example. Like, Vanjie and, uh, you know, Silky I think we'll get to, but Vanjie, it was – there was nothing. It was it was it was statements. <laughs> it was yeah. It was it was mostly gibberish, and then it was like you could edit that in later. I was like, edit in what yeah. the joke, <laughs> like the read. When where did it come? Where was it? Did I miss it? Um, you yeah. know, I was thinking about this watching it, especially like watching her. But really, watch. I mean, because she's a veteran, she should know this by now after all her time on Drag Race. But uh, if I were on this show, and I know that these are infamous last words, if if I were on this show and didn't go home in the first twenty minutes, um, I. Every night or like through, throughout, you know, knowing that the reading challenge was coming probably once there's probably, you know, eight, six to eight of us, I would be writing reads every night in the hotel room. I'd be preparing a list of like, here's shit I'd say about plastique. Here's shit I'd say about right. sugar. And I would just have right. a bank of them that, you know, I know there's plenty of other stuff they got to think about. But you know what I mean? Like, I'd be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. You'd be prepared. Because if you stay ready. You ain't got to. Uh, oh, Mary. Fuck oh, up. Reading challenge. Yeah. <laughs> you almost, you almost. You could edit that in here. later, you know. <laughs> you get that later. You edit it in. Uh, yeah, yeah, edit it later. Uh, edit that out. Edit that out. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. Oh my god. Yeah. I will say, I will say, Brooke was very surprising uh, with her reads because all of her reads were pretty strong, except for maybe Sugars. But uh, I thought the the read for Vanjie was fantastic. I keep kissing you because it's the only way to get you to shut up. You know. Yeah, that was uh, cute. That was cute. Yeah. 
though I guess I had read on Reddit that um, Reddit on Reddit that the precious joke, the silky precious joke. I guess Mimi I'm first made a very similar joke in her infamous. Battle of the Seasons tour roast of Michelle. Oh. And I know there was some joke on The Simpsons about being like a level five vegan, but I mean, I've heard the level X whatever thing before. Like, it's just kind of a, it's sort of a trope. So I'm not going to say she's stealing all her jokes, but I know some people were quick to discredit Brooke, but she's Canadian. She's not going to steal. She's Canadian. (laughs) She's got free health care. She doesn't need to steal. Not like here in America. Oh my god. Oh Canada. Um, yeah. So so uh, you know the the elephant in the room, and that is no pun. Um, the elephant in the room. Um, Silky's readings. Uh, I mean, I get that they were they all rhymed. Uh, you know, she's trying to be this poet. Um, if you have to take out a piece of paper and read the jokes you wrote down, it. I don't know. Defeats the purpose. Uh, it, it it seems a little silly. She she read Rue and it wasn't even a read. It was she was just being this, you know, Cheshire cat meets the caterpillar. Um, yeah. And yeah. It, it, and it was it was odd. And then, of course, uh, we get the culturally incentive insensitive reading of uh, Plastique, which I know is blown up on on Twitter and, and on the Internet uh, just about this idea of. Um, you know, microaggressions towards uh, towards Asians and this idea that she used Japanese words, uh, even though Plastique is Vietnamese. Uh, do you have any thoughts on this? Well, you know, we talked about this in our hot take episode. And I think my my takeaway kind of reading about it on Reddit and just kind of like, you know, not that I've been like marinating in it all weekend, but, you know, uh, this not being a hot take, I guess I think it's consistent really with kind of my feelings on Silky in general. And so this will kind of be like a through line for the episode is like, I think from everything that I've been told about how much of like a star she is and how smart she is and how like, I keep being told Silky's amazing and she's brilliant and I'm not denying that. But then it's like this episode, it was like, okay, but I just have not seen any like real examples of that. I just think if you're that smart, I don't know. I feel like you, you wouldn't be, I don't know. It just, I think that Silky is better than that. And I don't, I I feel like, I don't think our intention was to be like, you know, racist or whatever. I just think like she could do better, make better choices. You know, sometimes I hate that expression. It's so patronizing, but make better choices. You know, it's, it seemed a little tone deaf. It seemed like she wasn't thinking totally clearly about the optics of it. Uh, I think that's kind of what it was. And, you know, I, I was reading some of the conversations that Jiggly Caliente and Soju and uh, Silky were having on the internet. You know, Silky was quick to defend herself. And it's like, girl, you know, if if, if somebody says, yo, this is what it is, you, you got to just kind of take it and listen. But, um, you know, obviously all of the other stuff that she used as her defense is, uh, totally valid. This idea of like, you know, uh, queens of color or people of color are constantly under the microscope about everything that they're saying, yada, yada, yada. I don't, I, I don't think, I think all of that is true. And uh, listen to what some of these fans and Soju are saying. It's like, I don't know. I, I also think in general, Plastique's edit, this idea of her accent and, and all of that are very interesting and and problematic and uh, a conversation that I think should be had. Uh, I think the 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 interesting thing or the one that I'm most puzzled by is the editors chose to keep this in. 
Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's always what it comes down to is like there's 24 hours, not 24 hours, but there's hours and hours of content every day. What are they going to choose to keep? Like what reads do they choose? They obviously don't show all of them. And it's not even like it was that fucking funny. Like, I mean. No. Right. It wasn't. Yeah. Make me fucking laugh, as RuPaul would say. (laughs) Oh fucking laugh! You know? Fucking laugh! <laughs> we fucking uh, yeah, laugh. Yeah, Sil- yeah, Silky had to explain it. I mean, it wasn't. It, yeah, yeah. Something's going on with the editors and Silky, especially this this episode. I think Silky came off as uh, abrasive, and uh, I don't know, not somebody that I was rooting for this episode, especially with what she does in the workroom later. But um, you know, uh, all that aside, all that is to say. Uh, I think the conversation about uh, Asian stereotypes and Asian representation on TV is is totally worth having. Uh, so they edited it in. Maybe they did it because it was controversial and it should be talked about. Who knows? Well, we're talking about it right now. So, yeah. you know, it's it, it sometimes, uh, yeah, there's a benefit to it, even if it's, you know, if it feels like a misstep, maybe it's a really calculated step. Because, I mean, I've right. seen, you know, I think this whole thing about plastique and the accent and whatnot, you know, I don't have, besides my besides my romantic New Jersey accent, which, you know, <laughs> is, it weaves in and out, you know, like a, like a strawberry filling, you know, I don't, I don't have the same experience, you know? And so <laughs> I'm like a pop tart at heart. Uh, and so <laughs> I'm more of a rocket pop. So. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Well, you know, uh, yeah, I, I, this, I get sweeter the more you suck me. So <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Um, <laughs> Less cold, and I melt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, eventually, your eventually your lips will be blue. <laughs> yeah, and then at the end, you'll just end up with a stick and a joke. So <laughs> yeah, you'll realize I'm just a stick and a joke at the end. <laughs> so um, yeah, and so. Um, I I don't have this experience with accents in the same way, but I was reading about this on Reddit, and what was interesting was kind of taking it away from the specifics of like having um, accents of you know having a certain Asian dialect and having an accent from that. I think um, there were people who were like people from the South or people from like you know other countries who were like well, I have the same experience where if I get angry or nervous or a certain like it just comes out and it's not mm. premeditated. Um, right. I think the other side of that and kind of what Michelle was saying in the what you're packing or, or whenever was like, which she was kind of saying to, to plastique was like, well, that's, that's not your, that's not how you talk. That's like an exaggeration of how you talk. I, I don't know if she's wrong. You know what I mean? I don't know if she's oh. wrong. Oh, I see. You mean Michelle? Like, I'm not saying that she, Michelle's hundred percent right, but I think the assertion, uh, or the assertion. I never know what should just say talk. Um, I think, <laughs> I think, you know, th- this, you know, conclusion that, um, uh, that I don't know, that Michelle? plastique is, yeah, that, yeah, that Michelle is making that like plastique is putting on a voice. Like, I think it does seem like an, um, a performative voice, you know? And so I think that that's, I don't know. I think that that's an added layer of this that like plastique can't deny, you know? Oh, sure. I think that the, in the, in the the, the the Black Panther, why can to be Black Panther challenge? It certainly was um, a stereotype and was <clears throat> larger than life. But if Flack- Plastique is saying, yo, like that's my accent and I adjust every day, I code switch. Like that's all, that's all it is. So I don't know. 
for for anybody to argue with it, it's like okay. Uh, I don't think M- Michelle was necessarily arguing, but it's like I I just don't know why why it needs to be a topic, like why it needs to be a fault for plastique. You know, it's yeah. not like Laganja. It's not like Laganja putting on yes, mama. Like it's that's not it's not the same thing at all. Like plastique. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So. You know and. As you were saying that when you said code switching, what it made me realize is, oh, I actually know, I do have experience with this of like hiding the gay voice. And like, yeah. there are, I know exactly what that is. And I know that like, if I'm feeling, you know, it's not necessarily feeling, it's more the opposite. It's if I'm feeling very comfortable or I'm queening out on something I'm excited about, well, then I'm going to queen out more and I'm going to, and I'm going to gay out more. And to kind of like go along with this idea of like being performative when you're kikiing with your friends, there is almost that Laganja quality of like really putting on the gay voice. Cause you're all mm-hmm. getting into a vibe. And so yeah. I think that like all of that feels like if that's the same thing that's going on for plastique, well then I'm like, okay, cool. You know, I, you yeah. know, uh, case closed, you know? Yeah. Case closed. Uh, I think, I think we've exhausted that conversation. Um, uh, so if you have any thoughts, Mary, uh, obviously you can reach out to us uh, about that. But, um, you know, uh, I'd, I'd rather listen at this point um, than than anything else. Um, I think. Well, I just feel like as a white man, I should really be the one talking about this the most. Right. <laughs> I really need to be the voice that people are hearing on this topic. He's kidding. He's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> J.K. Kamora. J.K. J.K. Kamora. Yeah, but really. Right. Um, so do you. So. What did you think of the, the the challenge? Let's talk about this this so, improv yeah. challenge. I I think there is a the challenge. I, the, the title I kind of put of of this is the challenge of the challenge, and mm. I think that we do see obviously the more successful pairings of Brooke and and Nina and Akira and Evie kind of find levels and places to go with the story. But I think in general. What's hard about this is all four situations, the conflict is immediate. These are like, you know, um, situations that require calling the cops, you know. And so what ends up happening is like the conflict is already present and there's not really anywhere to go. Right. And like just watching people fight is not funny. It's just. Oh, God. That might be fun to perform as a performer, but it's not entertaining to watch. Well, you know what I thought was, uh, and Akira and Evie aside, I think that's a special case, but what was interesting about Nina and Brooke and Silky and Suga is that it wasn't both of them to start. It was just one to kind of set up one character and not really a conflict yet. And there wasn't like all out fighting. Uh, And I think in, in that sense, like I appreciated Silky because there were levels. Silky started off in this kind of like fun, jovial way, and then it and then obviously got heated when she started to get arrested. And I thought that was a funny arc, right? Like that made sense to me. And then you have Brooke, who is, you know, we're we're learning about this world of Brooke's character, and then Nina comes out, and then there's a new conflict because, you know, Nina might be repressed gay. Uh, and, and that all worked. Uh, whereas with Vanjie and Plastique, it was yeah, it was at 200%. It was like, where are you going to go from here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, a lot of this obviously, obviously would be reminiscent of like Reno 911. You know, it's it's the same yes. kind of, you know, the same setup, the same sort of improv-based uh, situation. And I think, you know, yeah, like I think what Silky was doing, like as much as 
kind of everywhere else in this episode, I wasn't really living for Silky. Like, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, you got to give it to her. Like, she was really funny in this segment. Oh, God. She's you so know. good at improv. Like, the, the, the know it belongs in the Holiday Inn. Yeah. And- yeah, yeah. Like, it was it was quick and and you know I don't know if if the scene would have been successful if Silky wasn't there if Sugar was paired with somebody else like Brooke for instance like I don't know if they if the scene would have happened I mean Silky changed wigs when even when she's getting arrested and she's falling on the ground like it is over the top and something she says in the workroom she says it I think to Sugar she's like you know, we only have so much time here. Like, you really have to just go. You have to show all of your personality and go balls to the walls. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that the, this is the the continuing, you know, issue with Silky or, you know, the challenge, especially for Shuka, is, like, Silky not only, like, knows that, she takes that advice to a 12. And I think, yeah. you know, to be fair, you know, I think, like, Fortune says, you know, in the critiques, like, there were times where I wanted the scene to be about sugar, and I mm. think that that's real, too. I think, you know, we talk, and we'll, I'm sure we will talk more about Vanjie kind of honing her bullshit, and I think it's the same for Silky. You got to hone this yeah. bullshit, because, again, like, these are scenes, not monologues, and... yeah. Yeah, it's and and let sugar come in and do some work that you can then play off of, you know? Right, right. I think uh, and maybe it's nervous energy. Who knows? But uh, certainly a more enjoyable scene is when both are lifted up, which is why I think Brooke and uh, Nina worked so well and Akira and Evie worked really well is that they shared the light. They they had a plan of how both were going to kind of be showcased. Um, right. And one you know, one was certainly, it was almost like an agreement between the two that one would be featured more than the other. Yeah. And I think that you kind of have to make that agreement or else two people are fighting for all the all the scene time, you know? Oh, completely. Um, yeah. I, I We did not mention this, but uh, my, if I were to, to nominate any Best Supporting Actress here, it would be RuPaul uh, being the the operator. Uh, yeah, so there are indeed three Best Supporting Actress nominees this episode, and RuPaul, 110%. Um, I feel like, I, I, I kind of want to believe that he was channeling that Lily Tomlin switchboard operator character, but, um, and if not, well, could he please? But I I thought he was great. I love, when I think, you know, RuPaul's doing a lot of acting these days. He's, like, showing up in all these different Netflix shows, and, and he has, mm. you know, this, uh, this new one coming out with Michael Patrick King. And it's clear that RuPaul has been exercising the acting muscle, and he's he's a very charismatic actor. He's very fun to watch. Yeah, he gets into it. He like really knows where that person is and what that voice is. I yep. I mean, when he's talking about like how much did you pay? Oh, my cousin Tanisha would give you that half the price, and even the typing. You know, where oh, the just kind typing. Of like, I love that. <laughs> when, it, when it was like the fingers just doing like the little yeah. finger dance. Yeah. Yes. I think RuPaul, like he, it's funny because he'll, he'll play a kind of broad character, but you know, here it is. He will find those nuances and those nuanced ways of saying things that are, that don't sound like line readings and sound like, you know, little right. self interruptions and little ums and ahs that like make it sound kind of weird and real. Um, yeah. He's just really good at that. I, I always enjoy when he does that stuff. 
Yeah, and I, I mean, it w- I would be remiss if I did not mention that he did uh, a meow voice and was speaking cat. Uh, oh, that was so <laughs> cute. Oh, my God. And, you know, just another testament to that is the fact that the first few meows were very, like, subtle. Like, uh-huh, uh-huh. There were meows right, that were right. saying on, uh-huh. <laughs> He's, yeah, RuPaul, I love when he puts his money where his mouth is in terms of these challenges, you know? Yeah, yeah. No, he he, he could show him up. Um, mm-hmm. And then, uh, so do you want to talk about uh, one of my favorite scenes was Brooke and Nina? Yeah, you know, I, I, I watching it again, like by the third time I watched it, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm appreciating this more. I found that her character was very, uh, like Jason Green- you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's that kind of like there's a social rebellion. Yeah. It, it, right. Right. It's very kind of <laughs> uh, this this character lives in a world in constant rebellion and is totally aware that uh, everything is about her. Um, obviously, the character of Jason Green um, that we're referencing is Freckle. Uh, mm-hmm. And Fre- Freckle just goes through the world as kind of this oblivious beautiful creature um and i i there were there was one moment that gagged me with brooke uh i loved when cheyenne says oh will you take off your glasses please i want to see your eyes and she goes my eyes are you trying to connect with me yeah uh, like that was really all good. of that all of that are you ashamed of my body like she knew who that person was which i i really respected yeah i you know i it was i was very surprised and impressed i think brooke really um yeah, she really stepped up to the challenge. You know, we talked about this on the hot take that there was kind of that feeling of like, okay, this is Brooke doing this. This is like, you know, there there's a little bit of an element of like what we saw her in the bottom last week. We've been told repeatedly she's not a good actor. So you mm. kind of lower the bar a little bit in the same way that the bar is raised for Nina because you know she's an actor, you know she's good at improv. And so I feel like, you know, in Akira, it's a similar thing where like the expectation of the queen going in definitely informs how the performance feels like how good it feels you know totally and you know had the roles been reversed which i think we'll talk about a little bit later uh had the roles been reversed like this could have been a really great shining moment for nina as well and i think would have been a real shining moment for you in your bunk later (laughs) (laughs) touche um Uh, <laughs> I I do I do have to say Nina as this character was it Glenda Brenda uh, whatever her name was um she, she it was very Sarah Sanders to me very very what very Sarah Sanders Huckabee is that yeah. You said? yeah 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 I um I guess the only thing I would say is I wish that Nina had a little bit more to do I think it felt like the only real place she could go is there's this naked person on my front lawn and I think. I think a lot of what she had to do was going to be cued by Brooke. And it, and I wonder if like there was more than just the first cue missed. I just felt mm. like Nina seemed like a little, she did great. And I'm glad she got a little call out on the runway, even though she wasn't there. But I, I guess it's that same thing of, I know how much Nina can do. We saw her in the diva worship challenge. She could right. do this entire scene by herself. And so it was weird to see her, her have so little to do. Yeah, I mean, she had that line, I call her Paula and I keep her hidden. I mean, that was, holy that was moly, great. this is the parting of the Red Sea. I mean, she had some really great lines. Uh, it, it, I feel like she was interacting with an 
amateur improver who was doing well and was just trying to react and she yeah. wasn't pushing the story. You know, my my wish was that the story took the turn and they actually became lesbians and that it was yes and and it wasn't, oh, no, but I'm not a lesbian. Right. I wish she had just gone there. I think that's kind of what needed to happen to really elevate the scene and to give um, Nina more to do is to have that moment of like sexual awakening. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, I don't have anything to say about Vangie and Plastique, except that I, I don't think I want to watch it again because it was it was yeah. hard to watch. Right. It was it was terrible. Like I, I the only thing I liked was when she threw the milk bottle in the beginning and it bounced away. But that's just kind of <laughs> like. I just love a visual gag, you know, like I, I love right. things falling over, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it was also weird characters, right? Like you be the theater cat, you be the alley cat. I, I don't and know. were they cats? Were they right. actors? Like at one point, Plastique says, I'm on my way to the Schubert Theater. I'm like, what? In- <laughs> no, no, you're not. You're a cat. <laughs> like <laughs> what to the garbage behind the theater? Like what? <laughs> Well, she was going to audition for Cats. Like, that was how she took the challenge, right? But Vanjie was the alley cat. It was it was so weird, and it I didn't so... get it. Uh, no. You know, hats off, hats off to Fortune and Cheyenne for being great players in these challenges. I, I think they did what they could. Honestly, I mean, you know, they were really – they were the standouts, I would say, in almost all of them. Just in that, like, they they found, I think, the that kind of Reno 911 tone – um, right. And they like they played straight men, you no know, mama, no pun intended, really well. <laughs> they played that role really, really well. Yeah, um, I would love, love to talk about Akira and Evie. Uh, I would down. love to talk about Akira. Um, <laughs> let's just say right now, the next best supporting actress nominee, obviously, last that last week's winner, I think, right for best supporting actress was last week the hopping and crying. Yes, it was. Yeah. Mary. Yeah. So, I mean, Akira, goddamn Davenport. Um, this was great. This was, I was very impressed. Uh, she knew exactly who this woman was. And, like, she, what mm. she said in the workroom, she did. She figured out, like, the space to play in, and then she played. Yeah. Uh, the whole time. The whole time. The whole the time. Whole time. Um, yeah. The whole time she was doing it. And Evie was really great at kind of reacting. Um, I think. Mm-hmm. Evie was certainly saved by Akira's uh, Kira's energy. I thought Evie did well, um, but it was certainly about Akira and Akira kind of pushing things along and being over the top. I'm glad that Evie wasn't necessarily so over the top because then it, I think it would have been too much. That's why I think it worked. And I think as an example it of— It twerked? You mean it twerked? It, oh, excuse Mary, me. But... It twerked. <laughs> it twerked. Hit the backspace button. It twerked. Um <laughs> Because because Evie, you know, allowed that kind of dynamic to happen. And I think that, like, the scene would have failed if they were both trying to be the star. If they were both crying profusely, like, it would have right. gotten... But, like, yeah, Evie was really smart. I, I am so glad she was safe. I'm so glad she didn't have some edit of, like, well, you kind of disappeared in this scene. Yeah, she, me too. She did exactly what she was supposed to do. Exactly. Yeah. And let Akira do it, right? Take the scene. It's fine. Um, yeah. I, Akira's nuances of her back problem, how it kept coming back, no pun intended, yep. um, were, was fabulous. One of my favorite lines is she gets arrested towards the end by Fortune and she says, oh, can I just get a snack? My sugar's low. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
she, I mean, like, it was just, it was so good. And, like, when she was, like, telling her story, like, the conviction in her face. And yes. it was, I, I was just so impressed. Akira is, I think I said this last week, but, like, she's a joy to root for in this competition, you know? Oh, yeah, I'm going to root for her all the way to the crown. You know what I'm saying, Mary? Uh, you know, slap it today. Uh, slap it every day. I would slap it every day until she wins the crown. For yeah, sure. she paid for it. You better slap it. Yeah, she... <laughs> She definitely this I mean, it's hard. I, I mean, maybe towards the end of the episode, we can kind of talk about where we are in terms of a top four. But I'm okay. now having a really hard time excluding her from that. Oh, yeah. No. And the, her runways, besides the farm to runway look, uh, and that was because her, you know, dye job didn't work. Uh, right. Her runways have been pristine. So, I, yeah. Yeah. Super excited about Akira, especially after this episode. Um, and, you know, we'll get to her runway in a little bit, which also I was gagging over. Uh, but yeah, so this scene I, was great. It would have been interesting to see the dynamic of an Akira with Anina. Because um, mm. I, oh I think that I think they would have played really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. I think that would have been, you know, I, I understood the the sort of strategy of pairing a strong actor with a less strong actor in each scene. But I think, you know, to kind of be Drag Race Thailand about it, it's like, I want to see the best production possible. So yeah, yeah, I want to see the best production possible. I, I, I don't, I don't necessarily buy Evie thinking that Brooke was being manipulative here. I think Brooke was, well, I was, I was trying to do the best. I was trying to, you know, really pair queens so that they complemented each other. Like I do believe that Canadianness, Canadianness came out. Oh yes, no, absolutely. I think, um, I think that she she chose right, choosing a really strong scene partner because I think Brooke was probably most concerned about the fact that she's not an actor. Like everyone else, for the most part, has an advantage over her in that they're better at this than she is. So she, right? I, like any sort of strategery, so to speak, is is. Uh, excessive you know so yeah um yeah yeah and and i and, don't think i don't think nina uh because nina i guess later in the workroom nina's talking about she's like well you know i i just switch roles with her so she would be more comfortable because it would be terrible if i was uncomfortable or she was uncomfortable in the scene because then it wouldn't be successful uh and you know there, there's something so beautiful about nina kind of sabotaging herself by being too kind and letting others shine. Uh, there's well, something that I kind of love about that. And I think that that's something we could talk about for a second, because, you know, let no more time go by before we talk about Nina West. Uh. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, my, I, I don't think this is 100% true, but I am wondering where the parallels are between Nina West and Thorgy Thor. And their journeys on this show. And I don't like to talk about this because Thorgy didn't get to the finale. But and it's and it's not just because Nina, you know, had a moment of like, you know, being in her head, like, oh, she's just like Thorgy, you know, put the dreads on her, you know. But I think that there's an element of like much like Thorgy, Nina was doing great work, or has been doing great work, but has not been she's been getting eclipsed each week. And yeah. Now we're starting to be told the storyline of like Nina being in her head. And I think Queens in their head, I mean, that's kind of like a cardinal sin, you know? Right. Oh, oh yeah. We've we've talked at at length about that. And I think um Nina, in the same way with Raja, it's like you don't want to let on that you realize you're in Stepford. So Nina's yeah. still kind of like, huh, it's so weird. I you know, I've been taking the critiques and I've been doing well on the runway and I've been doing my thing and 
she's kind of still playing it as just kind of like confused, but still happy to be there. Whereas yeah. Raja was like, what's going on? What's going like? I That's not right. That's not right. You know, and you're not supposed to do that. You're not supposed right. to let the audience know that you're in Stepford. And I feel like Nina, I hope she doesn't have a, you know, a, a wake up moment uh, where she looks around and they're all robots. But, uh, you know, it, it certainly seems like they're setting something up, especially with Brooke being like, yeah, Nina's a warrior. She overanalyzes everything. Um, yeah. So, and that, those talking heads of Nina being like, you know, I, I will say I thought it was very generous, you know, that the um, the editors left in her saying, like, don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to sound bitter because, like, most of the time those disclaimers that queens make probably never make the cut and they're just made to sound bitter. But mm. I I think that what we're I don't think and I don't I don't think they would ever try to paint Nina as like a queen is being bitter. Um, but I think what they're kind of showing us or maybe what they're trying to show us is that like Nina's in some way her head is not in the game enough and it's too in the game maybe, you know, or whatever, but it's not where they, where a winner's head should be. Okay. Yeah. Maybe, she, maybe she is. Yeah. She's too doubtful. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but I mean, that being said, I'm really hopeful that next week, you know, the, the, the magic challenge, like, I just feel like, you know, we saw two seconds of her being really like screaming and like revealing a wine bottle. But I, it, that is again like Nina's fucking wheelhouse, and I really yeah. would love to see that be when she just like finally breaks through again. Yeah, we can only hope. Uh, I th I think she'll do fine next week. I think she'll be fine. I think um, if there's a makeover challenge coming, I think that might be a problem for her. Uh, That's a good you know, point. We'll see. Um, I. I want to talk about the readiness of Silky, uh, or I guess we could call it the the hubris of Silky, um, because she's certainly very confident. Even Brooke is like, "Yep, Nina." Uh, even Silky, she's the only one that does that thinks she's always safe, right? Um, why? What do you make of of Silky, like not painting her face? I don't know. I think. You know, this is this is all me just kind of like watching something and then putting a narrative on it. But I think that there's something. Um, I don't. I don't think that it's like she's testing how confident she can be. It's like it's like she's testing how much she can get away with. With because it's like I'm getting I'm getting all the positive feedback. I'm being told I'm a star. They're all laughing at all my jokes. I won snatch game. Like I am mm. hitting all of the right notes. That I almost it makes you wonder if it's almost like this subconscious thing of like, bitch, they're loving it. So like I'm not gonna change a thing. And it's almost like I am so afraid to go out of this comfort zone. And if they're buying the comfort zone, why would I leave it? You know? Okay. Um, and I don't yeah. think that they are buying the comfort zone, but I think that's no. the headspace that she might be in or that she's telling herself is true. Because, I mean, I, I think for Silky, we've talked about the whole vulnerability thing. I think there are certain comfort zones that Silky needs to move out of to really, like, be a star this season, you know? Right, right. I mean, granted, like, she's she's serving a lot of laughs and is making people at the bars laugh and, and she, she's doing it, right? But there's... Yeah. There, there is a piece missing. There is certainly that piece, especially vulnerability or just kind of, you know, the glow up of it all. Um, I, I will, you know, when they cut to Silky kind of dancing in the mirror, I think I said to you when we were watching the episode, I said, oh, <laughs> what's the kid who had too much soda doing now? You know? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, it's the cousin in, in Home Alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Fuller wets the bed. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I will say this. Uh, thinking about All Stars for Valentina did not paint her eyes uh, and was called out and then put in the bottom because of it. Uh, it seems like it's a crime to to kind of disrespect the audience and disrespect the runway by, you know, not putting on drag or not putting on the drag. You know what I mean? Like uh, what everybody else is doing in the sense of like, yeah, we're all working really, really hard. You can't just take an off week because you're safe. It kind of reminds me of the immunity challenge or the immunities that Tyra won, right? Like there were times when Queens would win immunity and it's like, oh, okay, I can relax this week. Right, right. And you'd see that on like Project Runway too. If someone was safe oh, that yeah. week, they're kind of like, okay, well, I'm not really worried about this. It's not my best look, but I know I'm safe this week. Thank God. You know, and it's kind of like you go into the challenge knowing you're safe. It's like that's that could subconsciously kind of sabotage you. Yeah. And I, I think that that's kind of what's happening is like she's she essentially went into this runway knowing she was safe because she was so funny in the challenge. And I mean, that runway was like not good like it was just it was not good at all and oh god <laughs> it, it was me. terrible <laughs> i mean oh it we was can just... you know you know it's it's a good transition to talk about the runway and talk about silky you know i will say her walk her walk down the runway was entertaining right it was entertaining in the sense that she did the little movement and she had the the, the you know the fly repellent or whatever um but what i wrote down was no one's safe as a roach thickums um, oh god <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh I mean, man this bar needs a raid <laughs> <laughs> oh my god oh god is that a reference to stonewall um <laughs> yeah yeah well you know judy threw the first brick you know <laughs> do you know that Judy Garland, the owner oh, of Stonewall, right? threw the first brick. <laughs> she sang there every night. Was that on 7th Avenue? <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I think that was on Fashion Avenue on 7th Avenue. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, her fly was open. I mean, it, it was, yeah, it, was really. <laughs> it was obvious that she didn't have any eye makeup on. It was like, girl, uh, mm. it, seemed, it seemed a little um, reckless. And maybe she was doing that on purpose. I don't know. Maybe she's trying to lip sync in a way because, you know, that that can certainly um, put a queen, you know, in the top like Brooke and Evie. Uh, who knows? But this the look, I, there was a lot more she could have done with the the mask. Uh, I, it was it was basic. Uh, the best thing about it was the personality that came through. Yeah. She looked like a fly holding up a bank. I mean, it was just like <laughs> <laughs> stick them up, everybody. Stick them up. <laughs> A bug bandit. Yeah. <laughs> Buzz your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, this is it. What's the tzitzi? <laughs> What's the tzitzi? That look was not good. <laughs> tzitzi fly that walk. Yeah. <laughs> a fly on the wall oh, <laughs> yeah. God. Uh, she is she's got eight legs and no brain i mean it's like uh <laughs> yeah yeah she she was um 
she was yeah she was not good she was no jeff goldblum uh that's, that's all the fly <laughs> references i've got today i'm not making a poop reference to flies flying to poop but you're, you know, so I you're, th- you're flying in for a landing now, Mary. Is yes, absolutely. Saying. I am. I am. I'm flying in for a landing. <laughs> <laughs> These puns are bugging me. <laughs> Buzz off. <laughs> are you into insect porn? Sorry. <laughs> Some of the most popular uh, search terms are insect porn. So. Yeah, insect porn. Yeah. <laughs> I'm intersexual, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, she was no fly girl. Anyway, I um... <laughs> may I thorax you a question? Um, <laughs> sorry. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, now with wings, or now without wings. <laughs> now I'll say this to get us out of this little detour. This. Um... To get us back across the rumble strip and onto the road. Um, yeah, to get us off of the flypaper, Mary. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, uh, boy. Didn't we oh, reference... Gonna... Oh, we, 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 even with Raja, we referenced the fly in the screen. Anyway, go ahead, Mary. Yes. <laughs> flies, on run, flies on the runway, you know? Yeah, bugs, the bugs on the runway. Bugs on the runway. Yeah. We had... Um, this is the second bug, right? Uh, because the first well, one we... was... Honey Davenport was a bee, and Ben oh. was a bug. Um, oh, and then there were some bees in Drag Race Thailand. This there's week, a bee right? in Drag Race. Yeah, there's some bees there. There was obviously All Stars Four. There was that bee. Oh, the Honey Bees bee group. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So um, lots of bugs. Have there been any ladybug illusions on Drag Race? They're called you know, bugs, Ed. Um, they're called sorry. bugs, Ed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, there haven't been any ladybugs. Uh, no, no. That would be uh, a cool little look. I mean, the closest look that came, comes to a ladybug would be Nina. Uh, and Nina slayed me with this look. Uh, I, I, the, the oh, Lowry. yeah. Yeah, oh, this God. was great. This was a oh, great my look. God. You know, I, she- I, was getting, I was getting a little bit of like Baba Duke meets Slenderman. Um, meets yeah. Mr. Peanut, like it was all into one. Uh, it was it was horrifying and very whimsical at the same time. Like I could see this also being a horror character, right? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely like this is a, a sort of childhood nightmare character, but it's also like a fashion moment, and uh, it's also like she's taken the notes of proportionizing. She, her mm. body looked great. I mean, uh. I, Nina. I mean. She is. That's the thing about Nina is like she's technically doing all the right things. Yes, she hasn't. She's had a few missteps here and there, but like, you know, just like stumbles that any human would have because you know it, Nina is sort of human, otherwise a, a goddess. But, um, <laughs> you know, she she's technically doing all the right things. But I wonder if she's thinking too much about okay, this is the right thing to do. Okay, let me do this. This is the right thing to do. And it does seem I mean, like with Snatch Game, it does seem like very calculated to a fault, right? It's like, oh, exactly. I I see. It's like the brown noser in the front of the classroom. It's like, uh, okay, you could do extra credit again. You know, it's like, yep. I mean, you even uh, see that in the reading challenge when she kind of like looks to Rue. It's like, I think that that was like a subconscious thing that she's been doing the whole season of like kind of looking for like reading the tea leaves to see if her strategies are working you know right right yeah uh i mean i i have nothing bad to say about this look i just thought it was it was so well executed and fit the challenge fit the spirit of the challenge because it's hard to like make sense of a skin teeny you know what i mean Mm -hmm. 
A face skinny. Yeah. Face skinny. Sorry, did I say skin? T- t- that's that's Silence of the Lambs. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah face the winter version is the skin skinny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so the other the other look that I thought was absolutely astounding was Brooks. Um, I thought oh, it was really yeah. unique and very intricate. The the one read, and I wonder if we could maybe tangent or tangent on this for a second. I the the reason I kind of love Nina's look more is because I would believe that sh- that look was conceived and created by her, whereas Brooke. She might have sewn that garment for sure, but like she didn't make that mask. That mask was made for her. Um, and there's something about like All Stars, right? I think we talked about this on All Stars. It's like when they come out in these gorgeous gowns and these fashion moments, it's like, wow, you can wear a gown really well. Yeah, well, that exactly. Like I think that that's kind of going back to like last week and and Sugar and how Rue is like, oh my god, this is one of my favorite gowns I've ever seen on the show it's kind of a compliment to sugar that she brought it but it's really a compliment to christopher palou yeah and i think that <clears throat> yeah i think that more and more like just watching the what you're packing with plastique and she says oh this designer and that designer who's worked with so and so and so so and so and michelle was like you know you girls are really stepping it up and and i think it's exciting to see on the runway but it it doesn't it doesn't move the needle in terms of showing us how much of a star somebody is. Sure. Yeah. I mean, because, uh, you know, and we've talked about, you know, economic disparities of Queens coming on the show. I mean, Monique Hart, I think, was the one who kind of brought up that discussion. She brought fabric and was like making things, whereas, you know, uh, Aquaria and Cracker had things made for them. Right. And not that they can't make those looks and not that they can't design them, because I do think that the Queens obviously collaborate with the designer and i think that's great but there's something to be said about the blood sweat and tears and cutting and sewing and just the execution of it and that's why i I have liked the design challenges being so abundant on this episode or this season yeah well i mean i think this kind of goes back to like drag race thailand where like most of the looks are are made and um, or they're, you know, <clears throat> and if they're not made, they're very specific so that they're not right. just like generic, beautiful gown that some designer made, but it's like for a certain theme. And yeah. so there's always that wow factor. There's always that element, of, <clears throat> excuse me, that element of somebody doing more than just wearing a gown that somebody designed for them that they want to put on TV. And yeah, and, and not to not, I mean, not all the gowns are just designed for them. And many of the queens collaborate with the designer to execute the look, right? Like that will happen. Sure, sure, but I, I think that's like a middle ground between um, just kind of ready to wear and like creating something from scratch. And I guess I don't know. I, I me personally, I think that I would sacrifice these like opulent, amazing, multi-thousand-dollar looks for something that was like ingenious, ingeniously created. You know, sure. And it's why I loved. I love so much of Nina's stuff because like the Audrey two look, it was, I was like, that is camp and it, and it makes me feel something. And it's not like this thousand dollar gown that, you know, took hours and hours to make. It's just creative. Yeah. 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 And I think that's, you know, um, it's just, it's an element of drag that I think, especially with the all-star seasons, but certainly, you know, as the main seasons go on, I think, is 
you have to create the challenges to have those moments where queens are making their own looks, you know, like it's just yes. not happening the same way. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, we should also talk about sugar who I thought was also equally stunning on the runway. Yeah. Yeah. Sugar cane. I mean, I, I think we talked about this maybe last week, but it bears repeating that sugar cane is, is very much feeling like, in a different way, a Jocelyn Fox of the season, not in the runway, but kind of like how Jocelyn kind of her runways were never super strong. Um, but she would often, you know, the Scream Queens challenge, the rap challenge, like there were so many different times where she <laughs> snatch game where she was great. And she didn't necessarily win, but she was great. And I think that Sugar's the same way, except it's the reverse. The challenges, mm. I mean, some of the challenges she does pretty well, you know, when she played Maxine Waters and whatnot, and when she played Hillary Clinton. But it's the runways. Each week, she is fucking delivering, and they've all been different. And it, But she's just always kind of been safe, you know, otherwise, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I, there's a lot of uh, other stories going on, um, and it seems like Sugar's time is, you know, coming up so we'll see we'll see how sugar does next week um yeah i uh, okay so before we get to akiria plastique she didn't she wasn't wearing a face teeny right no no she um she was definitely giving me some shelly pfeiffer in in batman yes yes i don't know about mm -hmm. you miss kitty but i feel so much yummier right uh it was yeah it was a great look and i but i i do think it was like well, girl, you know, <laughs> what's the challenge here? Um, yeah. So it was it was an odd misstep for Plastique. Um, and Vanjie, did you get – so I know – okay, so this is what I wrote down. I wrote Deadpool meets the leather guy from American Horror Story. Are those two references you get at all? Uh, yes, I know both of those references. Okay, yes. that's what I got. Um, I, I thought it was a cool look, except it just didn't fit her well. Yeah, it also had this kind of like, you know, office executive kind of, you know, silhouette, like the pants what? with the top. Like, I could see, like, take away the colors. Is that and secretary? The mask. <laughs> it's not <Yeah>. secretary. <laughs> yeah, it's it, sort of that. It's the it's the coming on the back scene. But it's the, so <laughs> take away the mask and the, the colors. Pen. Sorry, uh, take away the yeah. mask and the colors. Okay, okay. Take all that um, away. And it's just like those pants, say she had those like black pants with like a white top and like it was that same silhouette, it would be the, and you know, no braid. It would be this very sort of business casual kind of like sleek, sexy, fashionable, great look. So in that respect, get your Photoshop out, girl. <laughs> I'll wait. I just think, I, you know what? I think it's a stretch. I don't think that Vanjie, I, I don't think she's being success as successful as she as she wants to be on the runway. I'm not I saying that she, she. I think she knows that. I don't think that she was actually accomplishing that or intending that. I'm just saying that's how it looked. Okay. I don't think it actually worked. Like I agree. I'm not defending this look. By the way, I thought it was very strange. I thought the pants you either need to have like a totally form fitting like Deadpool thing, or mm. I don't know. At the same time, I do have to at least mention. Our third best supporting actress of this of the episode, Natasha okay. Leone, who oh. recognizes like maybe this is some future robot where you know big uh, what is it um uh no boobs and a big ass a big ass and no yeah, boobs yeah, yeah. that that yeah, Vinny Boom Bots quality yeah. yeah you know big ass and no boobs you know big like ass, I no boobs yeah <laughs> I can kind of see that as well of like what if this is like 
what's sexy in the future. Like, I like that she was like, I didn't even notice the no boobs, you know? Right, right, right. I mean, and, you know, not for nothing, I, I do love that Vanjie is on the show. I love that she is still going to be on the show. We got a, a great talking head of her this week where she kind of does this this really adorable hand motion. Did you clock this? Uh, is it that, like, that sort of, like, chicken dance arm she did? <laughs> yes. Yeah. <laughs> A little chicken dance she did, yeah. She is she is so adorable, and even when she's feeling kind of self conscious, uh, it it's very it she's very endearing, and there's a reason why she's on the show. It's just it's frustrating, you know, somebody like um, Scarlett O'Hara, uh, Scarlett O'Hara, excuse me, Scarlett and me, Scarlett, Scarlett, I'll never go hungry again if I get onto All Stars Five. Yeah. <laughs> um. It's unfortunate that Scarlett uh, went home, who has, you know, obviously some great looks. Um, I could even say the same about Soju. Soju's been putting out some great looks week by week. Um, mm. You know, but what would I what would I rather, you know? And I think we talk a lot about how it's like, well, I, you know, I want to be entertained. I want to connect with a queen. And I certainly connect with Vanjie. I think she is uh, super, super goosey. Yeah, I agree. I think that she's it's this weird thing where I I really enjoy her presence on the show, but I I wish that she was justifying her her place on in the competition, you know? Right. 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 And we'll get to the uh <laughs> we'll get to the lip sync soon. Um Yeah. What are your thoughts on Akira's look? So, I mean, at first I did think that she was a gingerbread man. Um, oh, I will say uh, that. Yeah, I got I got Oogie Boogie from The Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, see, I I don't know her. Oh, you don't know her. I no. totally got the boogeyman from uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah, I in, got in a the, in a great glamorous way, but I that's what I got. I saw the gingerbread man from Shrek. I just uh <laughs> is that where it's from? I I just yes. uh But you know, that being said, like I didn't dislike it you know like i like oh, the look. no i thought it was smart i thought it was really smart and you know here's the thing that i don't understand why does michelle harp on this plastic surgery storyline you know like as if it's so played out as if it's like you know a bodysuit and a corset you know well we've seen it right with sharon and uh i think even last season we saw some plastic surgery references uh right uh there's yeah I guess I just don't feel like it's been so excessive or that we you couldn't do things with it. Like there was Pearl, there was Fame and Candy Ho. Um the one last season, I don't remember what which one that was. You mean uh season 10 or All Stars 4? I guess either one, whichever where whenever with the last was there one in each of those seasons? Um I can't I it, I'm I'm lost on it. Uh, so maybe some Marys can help us out. The closest one I can think about is Valentina in the deconstructed drag, uh, yeah. you know, as sort of a, you know, kind of like showing where all of the pads are. Um, right, right. Yeah, I know that there had been, there probably been some others, but like, I don't, I don't mind it. I mean, no one's clocking the birds. No one's clocking right. the bugs, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, yeah. I, I, you know, at the same time, I know judges are constantly looking to push queens, but you know, to Michelle's defense, uh, in a way, uh, she was complimenting Akira. She's like, this was yeah. a, a different take on it. So Yeah, it's just that, that, that sort of preface. I was like, I, I don't know. I don't know if I feel like 
you know, I think we've had more of Vanjie in a bodysuit and chest glitter than we've had plastic surgery looks. Right, you know? right, 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 right. But, you know, they've been calling out Vanjie for that, too. So They have. Um, speaking of Vanjie, let's talk about this lip sync. Uh, my first question for you is how did Plastique lose or why did Plastique lose? I don't know, because every time I watch this lip sync, I was like, no, Plastique is kind of doing a great job and she's selling it. And like, conversely, Vanjie's just kind of playing like, you know, dickocopter with her with her braid. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I mean, she had uh, she had some really good moves. Vanjie was moving very aggressively. It, it kind of fit the song in that sense. Uh, and it was entertaining, but I, my eyes kept going back to Plastique, and I don't know if that was because she had the advantage of showing her face more, um, and maybe maybe that was it. Uh, but to be honest with you, if I'm going to be honest, I think that Vanjie was kept for rigor morris reasons. I think this it, they're they're keeping Vanjie because she's got the storyline with Brooke. She's a returning queen. And, you know, and she's great TV and plastique. It was like, well, you know, somebody's got to go home. So. Right. And we may have gotten everything we were going to get from plastique. Whereas Vanjie, it's like we've still got maybe this brangy lip sync and certainly just like more, you know, more bullshit in terms of the reality TV portion of the show. They're going to get a lot more from Vanjie than they're getting from plastique. But I think from the competition side of the show, plastique has been was she did really well. She did really well. And you know what? Somebody's got to come back for All Stars, Mary. So, well, uh, that's what it is. Yeah. 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 I mean, and Plastique is young. And so it's kind of exciting to think, like, oh, well, maybe, uh, hopefully not like All Stars five, but like whenever, I'm sure there'll be a six and a seven. But I think Plastique in a few years will be a really interesting queen. Oh, she's coming back for All Stars five for sure. Her and Scarlett. Oh, you think that soon? Yes. Yes. If If I'm reading. The tea and hearing and using my big ears, Mary, um, Plastique and Scarlet Envy are going to be on, on All Stars 5. It, it's not true tea. They're rumors. They were rumors. Uh, they but, were rumors. <laughs> but I, my question but is so, this, though. Like, there's still so many other queens left who, like, there's others who might not get to the top four who are amazing, who people would also automatically say, oh, my God, well, they'll go to All-Stars 5, obviously. So, like, how yep. many can you have, you know? Well, on season, season. Five, on season five, Mary, there were – excuse me, season five. On All-Stars 2, season five had five queens. Certainly, yeah, but I guess it's like if when and this is probably a longer a tangent, a bit of a Vanjie, but um, or a tangent, if you will. But I think if we were to kind of do that, like we did this with Grizzly Kiki, like our All Stars Five can you know fantasy list, right? Even with all those, we had so many to choose from that I think if it was like and there's five of them from season eleven, just you know two and a half weeks ago, it's like okay, now it officially feels like a second place prize, you know? Right. Right, right. I'm, I'm totally with you, Mary. I don't want to see a million queens from season eleven, but uh, granted, uh, the thought of seeing Plastique and Scarlet uh, competing again excites me because I didn't want them to go home. Well, and I guess that's the logic from like a TV point of view, right? Is like people are going to tune in to see these like recent favorites more than they're going to yeah. tune to see Mariah Balenciaga. No matter how great she is, they might not just right. be as familiar with her. Yeah, right, right, right. So well, that's their problem. Know. That, that, that definitely is their problem, not ours. Uh, and obviously, you know, you can always go out and support, uh, you know, queens that were 
off the show and not on All Stars. You can see them on Instagram. You, there, there's other ways to see them, but yeah, of course, you want to see them on the on the big stage, uh, if you yeah. will. Yeah. Um, did you have anything from Untucked? I got to tell you, <clears throat> I did not. Um, yeah. I just didn't. It was, it was such a you know. I mean, we got to see you know Silky's family, but she just kind of like sat there like. Like she was watching like a Ron Popeil infomercial at four in the morning. It was like, do you got anything, <clears throat> anything silky, any, any emotion you want to like squeeze out, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Silky is, it's just such a weird edit with Silky. Cause like right now for me, she's definitely the villain. I'm kind of, I'm mad at Silky for a bunch of reasons. I'm mad at her for, you know, not putting on the makeup. I'm mad at the microaggression. I'm kind of mad at the hubris um i you know i'm i'm because i was rooting for you we were all rooting for you god damn you you know um, yeah but but <laughs> uh so you know we'll see we'll see what happens with with silky with the the kid who had too much soda um there was a nice moment between nina and evie where nina was kind of praising evie and um telling her how honored she was to be in the competition with you so that was you know again nina west a lovely addition to this cast oh yeah just a welcomed energy in the room um but yeah other than that i mean i just really didn't have much of a takeaway i mean natasha leone stopped by for a little visit and she's you know she's a hoot but yeah um yeah i mean i have to say obviously we talked about this a lot already in our hot take episode but i mean I didn't have like a ton of takeaways from this episode, if I'm being honest. Yeah, me neither. This is an episode that I would skip over, or I would I would just watch the challenge, uh, and that would yeah. Kind of be it. I might um, just watch really Akira. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I would watch Brooke and Akira. And sure. I sure. Know. I thought those those scenes were strong, but I uh, guess the problem yeah. is just like Vanjie and Plastique are between them, so I'd have to you right. know, navigate yeah, yeah. that. Fast forward. Um, yeah. Uh, who wins Best Supporting Actress this week, Mary? Um, so just a reminder of who our nominees are. Um, there's only three this week. I tried to do five, but I'm not trying to do, you know, uh, just write-ins. So this week <laughs> there was just, you know, RuPaul working the switchboard, uh, Akiria working the corner, and Natasha Leone working those glasses during that lip sync. It was like, where did those come from? Oh, yeah. Oh, good catch, Mary. Good yeah, catch. that was a, that was one of my favorite nuances of this episode. Now, this was a tough one. But I think, you know, I think for all the praising that was done today, I think RuPaul earns it this week. You know, oh, okay. I, I think all those acting, cha- all, you know, I want to give it to Akira. I love two weeks in a row. I love Akira. But I'll tell you, Akira is going to have more opportunities to get to win another BSA. And I, RuPaul's been nominated a few times. And I think, you know, <laughs> it's a legacy I'm, award, you know. Um, is- you know, I, we it, it would be odd if I didn't bring this up to you, but... I think it was Plastique, uh, or maybe it was even Akira, who's like, yeah, Sugar, she's like the constant best supporting role. Oh, she's no, I never, know. Yeah. Plastique so said that. that. She's like, she's always... I think that that's an interesting way of looking at it. Like Plast- I think that Sugar Kane, much like Jocelyn Fox, in terms of the cast, is a supporting character. She doesn't have a main storyline. She doesn't have a winner's edit. She maybe doesn't have any huge moments, but she's a consistent, like... Like if you were in a musical where there's like four different ensemble scenes where it's like coworkers or whatever, and you you're like a featured player in all four of those scenes, but the play is never about you, you know? Right, right. I mean, so for me, the way that I think about this is like every movie, every 
piece of media, whether you're on TV or a play or in life, like everybody needs a supporting role. Like there's always going to be a supporting role. And I don't know. I think about like somebody like Judy Greer, right? It's like, I don't want to yep. see Judy Greer starring in a movie. I want to see her playing, you know, the best friend or the coworker because she's fantastic. And so when I think about Sugar Kane and maybe just being a, a supporting role in a competition, it's like, should we always be shooting for that top billing? Is that always so necessary? I mean, I think that it's, I think, I guess that you probably should always be shooting for it when you're getting onto the show. But I think a lot of queens have said that they could read in the room, like, okay, this is not my season. And, mm -hmm. you know, like they could kind of see who the front runners were. And I think if you're really smart from like a TV standpoint, you figure out how to embrace the storyline that you're potentially getting or could get. And I think, you know, if, Maybe before we wrap this up, we can kind of talk about like, you know, our potential top fours now. But if, for example, Nina West were not to make it to the top four based on some of the edits I'm seeing, I think that she is kind of doing a shoe in for Miss Congeniality slash All Stars 5 edit, you know? Uh huh. Yeah. I don't know about All Stars 5. I think it would be great, but definitely uh, Miss Congeniality. There's no question in my mind uh, she would be it, either her or like Akiria. But Akiria is kind of in hot water about like, you know, spreading false information to Raja. But uh, yeah, uh, Nina, Nina is a shoe in for Miss Congeniality. Um, my top four at this point. So wait, are we talking about who we think are going to be in the top four or who, you know, we think the show is going to put in the top four. Like who do we want versus who the show is going to put there? Let's say, let's say who the show is going to have. And then we can obviously like express our own feelings about what, what we'd rather see instead. Or if we agree with that. Okay. Um, I certainly want Evie to be in the top four because I think she obviously represents a part of drag that is, great and important and progressive uh and i love her lip sync so uh that i want to see her in the top four and i think she will be i also think brooke is getting a winner's edit in a chad michaels type of way like there's not much that she's not doing well except for when it comes to these acting challenges and she's improving or she at least she has improved um then i think silky like i i can't imagine silky going home i Unless it's unless it's something crazy. Oh, sorry, my buzzer just rung, but I'm not expecting anyone. Um, okay. <laughs> um, Nobody's supposed to be here. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So I. Uh, anyway, I, Silky. Silky to me is. It would be odd. If they didn't put Silky in the top four at this point, because she isn't. She, she's doing poorly in some ways of the show and she's being kept on. Um, and I guess the other one, it's either going to be Vanjie or Akira. And I, oh man, at this point, I think it's Vanjie, uh, but Akira is one more. So you know what? I take that back. I think it's going to be Akira. So Akira, Brooke, Evie and Silky. That's my wow. prediction now. Um, I would rather it be Nina, Evie, Akira and Brooke. Yeah, I think the top four, you're, that's the same top four I want to see is um, Evie, Nina, Akira, and Brooke. I think those are four different 
representations of drag. They're four strong competitors. They've they've each at the, you know I would imagine by the end of the season I'm sure Nina will will grab another win you know in this fantasy mm-hmm. Nina you know Nina zone so that it's kind of you know they're all doing well you know they've all kind of earned their place in the top four in that you know and then whatever happens happens but right. um, I think yeah I, I agree with you I think Evie is is a shoe in I think Brooke is a shoe in for like you know going to the end um, I'm gonna say Akira I think that she's gonna I think that she's gonna continue to be consistent and then the fourth one i mean i want it to be nina but i i'm accepting now the possibility that that may not happen um she'll be fine you know she's a young new artist she'll find her way you know um (laughs) but i think in terms of who's left definitely not vanjie i'd be shocked i like that would be such yeah the rigor mortis oh yeah it would be wrong wrong at this point Yeah. yeah uh and so i mean who do we have left? We're we down to like a top seven now. So yeah, you top seven. Sh- you got Sugar, Sugar, Silky, um, Vanjie, and yeah. So it's so it Silky, Sugar, Vanjie, and who's the other? No, we're down to the top seven. So yeah, that's it. <clears throat> Silky. So I kind of feel like Silky, Sugar, and Vanjie. I could, and you know, I could see all three of them. Yeah, going boom, boom, boom. But I think what's going to happen is that it's going to be Sugar. I mean, Silky, Evie, Brooke, and Akira. I think I agree with you. And Akira. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. When you've been watching the seasons for so long, you kind of can get used to the edits, uh, especially when queens should have gone home and they don't. It's like, well, Vanjie should have gone home, right? Like, why are they holding on to Vanjie? Silky should have she should have been in the bottom for that, but she wasn't. You know, there's just all those things for me. Um, uh, so we'll see. I'm excited. I am excited to finish up the season um, and see how it ends up. I I do hope that the episodes after this one are a little bit better. You know, uh, it wasn't. It was. It just wasn't my favorite episode. Yeah, yeah. This definitely felt like a dip, and I'd I'd love to see. I'm excited. I think next week I'm excited because I think it's one of those challenges where it's just like the queen. It just it's you're just a one woman show. You know what I mean? And I think mm. it's like it's like the roast or something where you're just on stage. You know, having to be funny, having to be an entertainer. And I think that's you know, there's no script to work with. There's no one else to play off of. There's no you know what I mean? Like you, this is such a good display of like you know. Can you do this? And right. um, I don't know. I'm excited. I, I, those to me kind of feel like cousins of design challenges, you know? Okay. I hear that. I hear that. Yeah. Where we have to kind of see the queen create something, you know, and show who they are through their creation and be entertaining and make mm-hmm. it fucking funny. Make me <laughs> fucking laugh. Me Can fucking I fucking laugh? laugh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, before, <laughs> before we end, Mary, uh, just to kind of go on a little bit of a serious note, um, I just want to give a huge, huge shout out to our podcast brothers, sister, aunts, uh, Grizzly Kiki. Um, recently, Grizzly Kiki announced that they will be ending their recaps of Drag Race um, for reasons that revolve around that they're not having fun anymore critiquing a show they want to find another reason to love the show they want to watch the show and um get into a different space with it and uh as pod fellow podcasters we know like you know it's it's exhausting not just to 
put out content every week about a show, uh, but to put out content about a show that you're not so jazzed about is even harder. And then on top of that, to get listener feedback that is hateful and and mean, um, yeah, it can it can really drag on you. Um, I Grizzly Kiki for me has always been a gold standard. They've been interviewing drag queens for for a very long time, and um, I think they have great insights into drag. They also do drag. Um, they're lovely people. I've hung out with them. You've hung out with them multiple times, um, and they're they're you know bringing their podcast into it into a different direction. They're going to be talking about things that excite them. So Mary's you know. Go on over to Grizzly Kiki, send them some love, listen to their latest Lizzo episode where they kind of geek out about Lizzo um, and, and and give it a shot because uh, it's not um, RuPaul's Drag Race recaps. Um, it's things that they love uh, and they are um, a dynamic duo um, and I have only nice things to say about them. So uh, I just wanted to give a, a special moment to them because podcasting is, is, is it's tricky sometimes, especially now with so many... Uh, more followers of Drag Race and so many more podcasts. It, it it's tough. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like anything, you're putting yourself out there, and um, you know, you take the risk of what's going to come back. But I think the more important thing is what you said of like, don't recap something you're not having fun doing because like that's not fun. I right. like. This like if you're not having fun doing this, th- there's no fucking point. And yeah, and you know, then then change it, change it, and find like what's fun to talk about because I think that obviously then comes through. Because I I would I would get that like if I was if if I was listening to recaps and the hosts were like not really feeling the show, I'd be like, hey, what are you into? Let's talk about yeah. that instead. You know. Yeah, so exactly. I'm really glad they're doing that. You know. Yeah, yeah. Because I I do think that they'll be back. I do think that they'll. Be inspired again uh, and have, you know, a good long while. I know Dragula is going to come back and, uh, you know, Bushwig is in the fall. So I'm, I'm hoping that, um, you know, there's there's it, they're only going to go up from here, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's you know, it's always good to reinvent yourself, reinvent yourself, reinvent yourself, you know, yeah. keep it interesting. Yeah. Totally. Uh, well, with that, Marys, if you have any thoughts on LADPU, you can reach out to us on Twitter at All Right Mary, or you can find us on the web at www.allrightmary.com, or you can email us at allrightmarypodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and of course, if you want, you can follow me on Instagram. I'm at Johnny Also. And you can find more of me on my podcast in the details, a celebration of nuance. And you can get more of me on Twitter at Colin Drucker, Instagram at Colin Drucker underscore. And you can get more of both of us at patreon.com backslash all right, Mary, where you can get hot takes, videos, um, Drag Race Thailand recaps. Uh, It's, you know, there's like... There's a whole shit ton of content, and that's a scientific measurement. You should go check it out at patreon.com backslash allrightmary. Love it. Um, Mary, what is our last chance lip sync of the week this week? Well, you know, as you said, every week someone's got to go home. And so this week, purely because I like the song, it's in my Spotify playlist, and the title is Go. And it's a great song. Like, it's a really good song. Um, This is Go by Anna Wise. All right. Uh, we'll we'll wise up to go by Anna Wise. Um, yeah, that was terrible. Ugh, that was worst. terrible. That was. You need to. You need to go. Yeah. <laughs> we have to go. I have to leave. We have to. Go. Yeah. <laughs> and another thing. <laughs>
Just stop.